Welcome, everybody, to the Chinchilla Pickin' Podcast. It is September 23rd, 2023, uh, at 4.51 p.m. Um, as always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting, because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood, and I am joined once again by the Baron of Bonds, Brandon Beaver. Brandon, what is up, man? Ah, nothing much. What are you doing? How's it going? I am, I am excited. I am pumped. I am going on very little sleep right now. I don't know why <laughs> I need to go to bed, but I am pumped because the market's been interesting lately. There's a lot of things happening, but that's not the only reason why. If you've been listening to the show for a while, we thank you. We appreciate it. But we've also been doing a small social media push that we're going to continue going. We're going to continue pushing forward, making short little videos, making little posts. Brandon's been manning the stock twits. We are trying to get out there and get everywhere. So if you're on TikTok, Instagram, Stock Quits right now, please go ahead, follow us, subscribe, do what you got to do. So I don't know if you heard about this or not. We had very tragic news over the week. Trayvon Diggs, star cornerback of the Dallas Cowboys, tore his ACL and ended the season. I, I'm sorry for Trayvon Diggs as a Hold person. A silence, please. I never, I never want to see anyone get injured in that regard um but yes all right all right cowboys fan um yeah uh so anyways back on track here uh chinchilla picking uh we are getting out there getting everywhere please follow us like us subscribe tell your friends and family about us we appreciate it that's how we grow organically um hopefully we're gonna have a little bit more listeners uh to this week's podcast you know maybe some more people joining in uh, giving us a hear, listen. I don't know. On the podcast, if you're new, if you're uh, following us from our social media push that we've been doing, and you're new and this is your first listen, and we try to go more in de- in depth and in detail on the podcast, give you a little more of the how do we get to where we're going? How can you learn how to trade? How does this work for me? That's the educational part. We have some jokes. We go back back and forth a little bit. We disagree. That's the entertaining part. And then we leave you with our final thoughts of how you could get better this week. And that's our uplifting part. So we hope that we're always entertaining, educational, and uplifting because that's our goal. That's our mission to help other people achieve financial freedom. All right. I think that's enough spiel of that. What do you say, Brandon? Let's get yeah. into it. <laughs> rules, rules, rules. Brandon and I get together five to 10 minutes before the show and we tell each other what we're going to talk about. You actually hear the live discussion, the back and forth, the bitter and the banter. Here on the show, right for you. Brandon's going to head off the show with what he has. Brandon, take it away. Huge news this week. Uh, Cisco acquiring, acquiring Splunk in a deal that I think is going to be examined for years to come. Uh, Splunk shareholders agreed to uh, be acquired by Cisco in an all-cash deal, which is a deal that I like. Um, $28 billion. It's $157 per share. Uh, so, you know, I saw it and we're looking at about, uh, I think it's a 7%, maybe 8% premium here, uh, to where Splunk is going to get bought out at. That's where Splunk is, uh, currently trading at. And that's, that's, uh, uh, that's pretty good. So if you want to jump into Splunk, I, I would definitely endorse it. I, I did. Um, but I think it's also warranted. Um, to have that kind of premium on it right now. And, and you might even get a 10% if you wait a little bit. 
uh, just because this deal is not going to close out until the end of next year, September 2024. Uh, it's going to make Cisco one of the largest software companies in the world. And um, I'll get into some more risks to the deal as well. Uh, I think that there are probably going to be some antitrust concerns, but let's get into it. All right, so here's the benefits of the deal. Here's why I like it. I think this is kind of a match made in heaven for two companies that fit so perfectly together. Cisco is going to get access to loads and loads and loads of data. Um, I'm sorry, Splunk. I'll say that Splunk is going to get access to loads and loads and loads of data from Cisco's very large customer base. And it's going to benefit that arm uh, that it's going to be of Cisco. Now it's going to benefit the combination very greatly. Uh, Splunk has an estimated $4 billion in recurring revenue, which will give Cisco a much bigger market share of the cybersecurity market. Uh, that re uh, recurring revenue is going to be per a, a nice shot in the arm for Cisco. Um, Splunk has been chasing profitability. It's proven to be very difficult uh, for Splunk. They haven't made it there. But with Cisco's resources, I think this deal will be profitable by the second year, uh, maybe within the first as well. Um, but they're forecasting within the second year, which would be 2026. Go ahead, Dave. I, so I got a question. You're talking about like Splunk, like it's going to be a separate company after this deal. Isn't it going to be all the same under Cisco? It will be, but it's going to be it's it's a, it's going to be kind of like two different you know sides to the same coin. So, gotcha. And Splunk and what's Splunk's like, main uh, main business model? How do they get their main source of revenue right now? Uh, so it's kind of kind of that recurring revenue uh, from the cloud, uh, cybersecurity, IT, uh, software. Where Cisco is um, more of the hardware side. So you're going to have Cisco selling the the, uh, the hardware. Um, Splunk is going to be the software side. Uh, they're not going to be two separate companies. I'm just speaking of them like they are right now. Uh, they're going to be together. Nice, Did that answer nice. your question? That does. I, I It's more for clarification for those listening so they kind of get a better understanding of where you're going with this. Yeah. So, yeah, they've been chasing profitability for a while, but uh, I think with Cisco... Uh, Cisco is going to make this deal profitable within the second year. That's the forecast, at least. I think that's a, a pretty good forecast, and I, I think it makes sense. Splunk is bringing uh, – here's here's what they're bringing to the table here. Like I said, $4 billion in annual recurring, uh, recurring revenue. Almost $2 billion of that is coming from cloud customers. They have $805 million in free cash flow from the last 12 months. That's up 273% year over year. Uh, so that's what I'm talking about, the growth that they're bringing to the table for Cisco. They have 834 customers with recurring revenue over $1 million a year. That's uh, more growth that's going to happen there. Just from that, I think when you combine Cisco and Splunk, they're going to have a larger offering to have for those customers, and they're probably going to be able to dig more into the revenue from those. Uh, 90 of the Fortune 100 companies use Splunk in some way. And here, I'm going to use, Dave, Dave, the golden word for investors. Splunk uses AI to detect threats before they come to fruition. I said- oh, so this is, this is like a solid deal than to the moon. To the moon because he said AI. Because he said yeah. AI, it's to the moon. So, but here's the thing. They've been working on this for a couple of years. So actually, this is like, you know, 
a lot of people th thought like this deal, oh, they're just doing this deal right now because of the AI, uh, you know, the AI boom. But it actually is really just kind of coincidental that it's happening at the same time. This is going to bring them a total addressable market of over $100 billion. So, you know, that doesn't mean that they're going to have $100 billion in revenue every year. It just means that they're going to get a sizable chunk of that, I think. And also uh, Splunk bringing to the table an operating margin of 16.7%. With that kind of operating margin at 16.7%, like I said, in, in Cisco's base of customers, very large base of customers that Cisco has, like I said, this is going to be a profitable deal. It may even happen within the first year, even though... Cisco is paying 31% of a premium compared to where the price of Splunk was prior to this deal being announced. I, I think that this is this is a very good idea. Look, I see this as a good deal. Cisco needs to get on good footing anyways. They need to be more consistent with their guidance, more consistent with their earnings reports. Uh, I think this is going to definitely shore up Cisco in this aspect, give them a kind of a, a an edge of the uh, the sector and the market that it, they didn't have before. I do see some regulatory clearance issues here. Like you said, it's going to create a very large company. And I don't know if the antitrust of each government is going to allow this, which is, again, I agree with your timeline. This is going to go into next year before it will get approved. So if you're going to buy it, you know, I, I would definitely give that as a caveat that, hey, you're going to be holding this for a little bit, waiting for that uh, that 7% that return. So Cisco finally going to break out of range here. It's been in the same trading range since uh, late 2018. Yeah, and and I was I was excited when they they broke out of the range they were in before that. So it, it like I, Cisco is is definitely my unicorn that uh, I never could ever get right on the earnings and and trade effectively. So I just kind of quit trading around like 2000. 12 2014 i just gave up on trying to trade cisco and uh, i would just watch it from then on but uh it, it's i mean it's a solid company it's still around they they still profitable uh my only concern is if splunk has a 16 percent operating uh margin right now where's all that margin going when you get down to uh, net profit man why, why, why don't they have a profit where's it where are they spending that money they've been spending the money on growth uh for them i think this has been a very um saturated market um and and they've been trying to spend the money on on growing their uh, market share uh recently they kind of like tamed that down a little bit to try to go profitable uh hasn't uh, been there yet but with cisco's large customer base i think this deal is going to work i only ask i mean i, I, I know we're, okay yeah you're yeah, right. I, I know where where splunk is really spending the operating money again i asked this question for our listeners so they could get a better understanding of this. So this is what I've always talked about in the past. When a company is uh, not quite making a profit, but they're not making a profit because they're investing heavily into the growth of the future. If it's good investments, if you're taking out debt for good investments, I think that's a good thing. If you're taking out debt just to pay your bills you know, every single month, I, that's when I question the the strength of the company. Yeah. But if, it's, if you're taking on debt for growth, okay. You know, because you need to build a million square foot uh, warehouse. So you need to buy, take out debt to pay for that, build it up the way you want to and get the uh, infrastructure in place. I get that. Um, but some some of these companies, when they, they say, hey, we have good debt. No, no, you don't. You're taking on debt to pay your bills. That's not good debt. Right, right. 
So, so I like Splunk's debt. I like the way they're spending. Um, that's one of the these. This is one of the occasions where you're like, okay, yes, you're not profitable, but I see the direction you're going in, and I like the investments you're making. And that's the case you're making right now, right? And yeah. you believe that's going to be a good addition to Cisco. Absolutely, Splunk providing security and information, um, security information and event management, which is what they call their uh, the market that they're in, um, and, and they've grown substantially. Other areas of cybersecurity are facing financial uh, pressure, but the cybersecurity uh, for security information and event management is actually doing pretty well right now. Uh, Cisco being known for hardware, like I mentioned, such as routers and switches. Uh, I think it just I think it's a good combination. Go ahead, Dave. So you 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 brought up cybersecurity and you and I uh, looked into CrowdStrike uh, and uh, some of these other bigger firms recently. I think it was like six months ago we did this. Yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think I believe it was six months ago we looked into CrowdStrike and we looked into the fact that uh, all these cybersecurity firms were signing shorter deals. So instead of uh, signing a one to two year or three year deal, uh, they were signing six month, three month deals, and it was hurting their revenue reporting when they reported revenue for the quarter. Uh, like CrowdStrike would say, "Hey, instead like so instead of signing a million dollar three year deal, they're signing a hundred thousand dollar, you know, three month deal, which is equates to actually more money, but it's a shorter. But on the revenue, they only see a hundred thousand coming in instead of the expected one million when they report their quarterly earnings. And so people think, oh, they must not be doing as well. But my point with all of this is the shorter contracts, it also gives for higher competition because now, okay, I only have a three-month contract with CrowdStrike. Do I have to continue with CrowdStrike or can I look at Splunk? Can I look at one of these others? Now there's increased competition in this market, which puts pressure, puts pressure on 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 the profit margins that these companies can actually charge because of the increased competition and the shorter terms of these agreements because companies are trying to cut costs. Yes. Thoughts? It does. I but I think Cisco has a leg up here since they're going to be selling the hardware to the customers that they have right now, they can bundle. Oh, there's the word bundle. Yeah. Bundle. Make a bundle in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Rama Sikar, he's he's a partner at a venture capital firm Nor Norwest Venture Partners. He was an engineer at Cisco early in his career. He told the Wall Street Journal that uh, AI is nothing without data, and the acquisition of Splunk only enables Cisco to sell more recurring software, but it also moves Cisco out of the plumbing business and into the data business. So that's kind of, that's that's the big benefit here. Now, when it comes to risks to this deal, we've already mentioned the antitrust concerns. Uh, it's going to create one of the largest software companies in the world. So get used to politicians saying the name Cisco right next to Microsoft and Meta and Google and such. Um, because they're going to be right there when it comes to monopoly. Uh, however, at the same time, and they can they can use this data as their benefit. Right now, neither Splunk nor Cisco currently dom dominate the cybersecurity space completely. They're not the largest players in that game. So they will be, but they could say, well, hey, look, we're not there right now, so it's not going to be a monopoly. Uh, I do think that there's going to be some businesses that come out against this. 
uh, most notably the competition, and they could say, hey, look, we're consolidating right now in this industry. If we do this deal, uh, businesses and companies will have less cybersecurity uh, companies to go to, and they're going to have to pay a higher price in the end. I don't know that that's necessarily true, but it's an argument that can be made. Um, and that's kind of why I say right now, given the fact that this deal's not slated to close until almost exactly a year from now, um, and then even given the fact that like it's probably not going to be a profitable deal until 2026, there's a lot of X factors that can happen between now and then. Um, whether it would be you know the Justice Department getting involved in trying to block the deal. Uh, or whether, you know, it might be something that happens to Splunk that uh, lowers the valuation of the company, things like that, anything that can happen. So I do think it warrants the premium that you're getting right now. And by that, I mean, it warrants a lower price than what the uh, buyout eventually is going to be. But um, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm thinking right now Splunk's a buy uh, because I do think the deal will pass. Um, but there's going to be some hurdles along the way. But I also think Cisco's a buy based on this deal. And, and, and interestingly enough, the stock actually dipped 4%, probably on some short-term profitability concerns and short-term uh, issues with revenue and things like that, But um, and where they're going to spend that revenue. But uh, I, I think it's going to give it a good shot of growth. I, th I think it's a great match for both companies, and, and I would buy both of them right now. Go ahead, Dave. I understand the Cisco uh, long-term investment there because of this deal, and you see the added benefit of Splunk going in there. My question for you, though, I mean, like, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I don't see holding something for a year for a 7% to 10% return. I see better opportunities out there if I'm going to hold for a year. It's a risk reward scenario, right? There's very, I think there's very little risk in this, even though there is a risk. Um, if you buy any amount of stocks right now, the macroeconomic uh, conditions that we're in, we could have a recession in the next six to 12 months. You could buy a really good stock and still be negative because of that risk. Um, because this deal is now contractually set to complete, um, and, and given the fact that I, like I said, I think that the, um, it's going to be a rough, um, you know, maybe a tough, uh, a way to get to, uh, approval, but I think it's going to be approved. Uh, I think you had about a 90% chance. So I would take that, you know, that's why people are jumping into, into, uh, treasuries right now for the same reason. You know, you get 5% on a, a treasury or on a bond or something like that uh, from the U.S. government, one of those so-called risk-free returns, um, because it's almost guaranteed that you're going to get it. I get it. So it's 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 basically a recession play. Yeah. It's a, it's a safety play. Like, I'm going to get yeah. this this return on my money no matter what. You know, and this will be my safety play is I'm going to get the seven to ten percent return on Splunk, and that's locked in. Now I can work on other areas. Yeah, fair enough. I still wouldn't do it. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm too risky. Um, I, I would I would find other ways to make to make that return. It can be a frustrating process if you're used to you know your stocks doing twenty to thirty percent every year. 
and now you're sitting on the stock that's you know goes six months to nine months especially like what we did with activision uh yeah. where you sit there and it just does nothing for a long time it can be very frustrating but uh if if you wait it out it can be you know rewarding in the end and relatively low risk i will say you know you you have waited out these before and you have bought these long-term investments like this and when's the last time you actually really had a loss i that's a good question um i know there's one in there somewhere so like and this is the comparison i want to make is you know me i i, I day trade some you know i uh i swing trade you know and then i have long-term investments and i've taken losses recently but then my wins have been very, very big, you know, and I've, I've had big wins. Um, so you either have the stressful trade-in strategy of David, or you can relax and buy these long-term yeah. strategies and know you're going to have a positive uh, of Brandon. And to do what I do, just, just, just for sake of disclaimer here, I've been doing this a long time. I do not believe anyone coming off the street with – only like one year of experience can do what I do as far as day trading, but uh, it is possible to get there. Um, but I, I get the two different personalities and styles here. It's, you know, I, I, I like your style. That I just can't do it. So one of the, the lessons that I learned from the Activision deal, because I did not wait that one out, but I did not lose money on it. I made like a couple bucks and that was it. Um, and that was because the great, uh, the, uh, um, regulatory body of the of great britain came out and rejected the deal and that hit the news and everybody's like oh deal's over well it turned out it didn't matter they didn't need great britain to so i uh look back at that and i'm like Ugh. sometimes you just can't really believe what you read or see in the media you know so it's, sometimes it's better to sit and wait something out and i sold on that news and i wish i wouldn't have because it wound up going through anyways. Um, I will say this too, just as a as a warning to anybody, if if anybody comes out and says, "Oh, China rejected the uh, Cisco and um, the Cisco and and Splunk deal," the CEO of Cisco has already came out and said that they don't need China's approval. So that that that's one hurdle out of the way. There you go. There you go. Nice, nice. Anything more on Cisco Splunk? That's everything I got. Wow. Whoa, whoa, slow down. Man, I think that's the shortest, shortest Brandon Beaver section we've had in a while. That's not good. That's not good I for our new listeners. They you need know to what? hear. Here's, here's something that we can talk about real quick. Well, I got plenty, but go ahead. We talk the IPO market because I just did that special on Friday night on the IPO. And um, I have not listened to it yet. I haven't listened to it. That's funny because I actually said it on the show that you don't listen to these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yes, I don't. I, <laughs> I told everybody on the show Friday night what I was going to be talking about today. And I was like, before you listen to this and you think, oh, you're breaking your own rules. I was like, don't worry about it. Dave doesn't listen to this anyways. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sad, but true. Yeah. So sad, but true. But I mean, that helps with our numbers, though. I mean, because, you know, I've... If I'm looking at our numbers and, and I see, you know, a couple of different listens on a Saturday, I know it's not us. <laughs> right. But um, <laughs> the IPO market, and because I, I want I brought this up on the show Friday night, but I wanted to talk to you about it. If you go to retailroadshow.com, 
and you can see that there's only one large company right now shopping their uh, IPO out to the public and public investors. You usually see about five, maybe even 10 can be on a hot, hot IPO market, but it's usually around five uh, companies doing this. For the longest time, there's none. You had zero. You just go to this website and it'd just be a big empty website. But um, do you think that says anything about the state of the market or about sentiment right now? And then given that we have 1,400 billion companies that are worth billion dollar, a billion dollars or more waiting on the sidelines to go public. When you see those start to flood into the market. So do you think that the IPO market will get hot first? Or do you think that the stock market and the macroeconomic picture will, will clear up and look better first and then they'll jump in. Um, And is that a good, uh, is that a good indicator for investors to say, Oh, look at this IPO market's going crazy. Obviously CEOs think it's all bulls ahead. Yes. Okay. I believe it's going to be the latter. <laughs> I believe it will be the latter and that the, the market will make the correction first and become in a bull market uh, before the IPO does. Right now, there's all right, There's a couple things going on with the IPO market. Uh, right now, there's, there's too much need for a high valuation of a company. We have an overvaluation problem. And it's because of the hype around everything. Everything with any, any IPO that comes out that... It is a well-known name. The hype is tremendous, and it has to it has to do twenty million, twenty billion above what it actually does because that's the highest valuation we could get for it. That's this is ridiculous. We need to have realistic valuations of companies. You go back to the Virgin Galactic. We covered this on the show before. You overvalue a company; it's doomed to fail because they're going to borrow against that valuation, and then they're going to lose money. We have a valuation problem in the IPO market. That's what we have. That's what's wrong with that market. So if I have a, a ABC company and I want to go public right now, I'm going to be like, well, there's too high pressure. Like I, I have to actually have an outstanding company and, you know, be, you know, doing AI and all and you know, automate EV and AV. And I have to have these hot, big names, uh, the words you're going to use, the buzzwords going on. And if I don't have that, nobody wants to do business with me. And that's what's wrong. Jamie Diamond said the same thing the other day. and Of uh, course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> he, gave a, uh, he gave a short but very um, pointed message to uh, company founders looking to IPO. Uh, <laughs> the The sentence he said to them was, grow up. <laughs> yes yes i would just if i was them i would just ipo anyways and i would tell the underwriting company just i want a reasonable valuation i do not want a uh, high value valuation so if you i would just at, ipo if you look at arms ipo they did go public they did hit their their target ipo price but would you call it successful because it's came right back down to earth again uh, the last I checked, it was trading a little bit under what the IPO was. Um, and so you could say, yeah, they hit they hit that target price. They were able to put that amount of money on their balance sheet that they wanted to. 
But if you're the CEO and you're and you're the board of directors and and you have all the shares of the company sitting in, in your uh, brokerage account, you can't be too happy with the performance after the IPO day. I don't think. So SoftBank was looking for sixty uh, sixty four dollars a share is what they needed in order to head what they paid for the the company. That would break them even for uh, uh, what they paid for ARM. And so they're not hitting that mark right now. Now, Masio Sun, I believe that's how you say his name. I'm probably butchering it. Um, he did. He he He's long-term, right? right? He's long-term on ARM. He believes in, in the future of ARM. I don't believe ARM's going to hit that anytime this year and hold it. I think it's going to be a slow climb to that. I think they will hit that. We've covered it on the show before. I said that before they IPO'd, I even said on this podcast, pull it up. If you don't believe me, pull it up and listen to it. I said it's going to go above that price, and then it's going to drop back down. And it did yeah, exactly it did. that. And, yeah, and that's what's going to happen. Cart did the same. Cart did the same. Cart jumped about 25% first day, came right back down, and now it's a little under the IPO price. But we were doubting cart even going up 25% because it, when you looked at the numbers, 30% of their revenue, which is what made them profitable, was from ads. And we were saying, look, I can't justify saying buy until I see the amount of active users on the app daily. I got to see the active users number because that's going to justify whether or not they're going to pull in enough ad revenue to cover future expenses and growth. Right, you right. Know? And they're shifting their business model. Yeah, basically. Now I will say this, and I brought this on the up on the show Friday too. The cool feature about Instacart's ads that they're selling is that they pop up and they target customers as they're shopping. So oh, like, there you go. If you're going to buy like cereal, you'll get a cereal brand's advertisement pop up at that point in time. Um, so that's that's valuable, but um, you know, you don't really know how valuable. You don't know how valuable these IPOs are really right away oftentimes because most of the time they give you three years on the prospectus. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just give you like three periods or, or four periods of, of six months. Um, but you don't have the five to ten years to look back at like you do publicly traded companies that have been on the market for a long time to be able to value them, to be able to put together a good compound, you know, projected compounded annual rate of return. You don't you don't have that with IPO, so it's tough, especially with a company like Instacart that is shifting its uh, its a uh, business uh, model right now. You have nothing to go on to say that this is going to be successful in the long term. Exactly, exactly. There you go. Enough about IPOs. I got I got good headlines for you. Are you ready? Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Headlines. I love this part of the show. I've actually looked Advice? forward to. <laughs> Here you go, man. First headline. This is from Chris Pandolfo. Uh Elon Musk says first human patient will soon receive Neuralink brain implant. Neuralink received FDA approval to begin clinical trials in humans in May and is now recruiting volunteers. Uh, so let's go on. And I always read a little bit of the article, talk about how you can invest with it, and then give Brandon's opinion here. So here's the, a little bit of the article. During the study, the R1 robot will be used to surgically place the N1 implants ultra-fine and flexible threads in a region of the brain that controls movement and tension. 
Once in place, the N1 implant is cosmetically invisible and is intended to record and transmit brain signals wirelessly to an app that decodes movement and tension. The initial goal of the BCI is to grant people the ability to control a computer cursor or keyboard using their thoughts alone. If you were able to get in on the Neuralink IPO, would you, Brandon? No. <laughs> and it's a very exciting technology. It is, but um, something like that, like, I, I'm a little different when it comes to anything pharmaceutical or anything when when it comes to ipos if you don't have anything that's actually hit the market yet that's proven to be successful real tough for me to to jump in if it was to ipo right now uh i who i don't know if i could ever like even if i had you know, a, a problem with my brain, um, which my girlfriend says I do, but I, I maintain I don't. Um, but if I had, you know, some sort of issue or par paralysis or uh, or whatever, I don't I think they'd have to offer me a lot of money. It wouldn't just be a volunteer to put something in my brain that uh, or like Neur Neuralink. I think I've heard Elon talk about it. The possibilities are great. Um, but, uh, that it's just so risky. Elon keeps pushing the boundaries with all these companies he owns. If you don't know, he owns a slew of companies. You need to really look him up and see all the ones he owns. But I, I think this is a great advancement, man. It's going to help people with uh, Lou Gehrig disease, ALS. It's going to help people who are just quadriplegics, you know? Well, that's exciting. That's a good thing. And, uh, Elon's an intelligent person. Uh, kind of scary to think that uh, somebody with Elon Musk's uh, immaturity might have uh, control of your brain. <laughs> well, we're hoping that the implant doesn't control your brain, but yet you control, you send signals through the implant to a keyboard cursor is yeah, what yeah. the ideal is. I was kidding. All right. Yeah. So that was the first one. I wanted to get that one out of the way real quick. Um, the next one here is California governor vetoes bill banning robo trucks without safety drivers. This is uh Gavin Newsom. He vetoed a bill that was put in front of him saying that they were not going to allow autonomous vehicles without a safety driver in place in California. He's, uh, continuing to, uh, veto that that way it allows for more testing, um, from these companies such as Tesla, which is a big player in this field. Aurora, uh, if you don't under, uh, don't know who Aurora is or what company that it is, we covered Aurora in detail in, in a previous podcast, but uh, check them out yourself. They also do uh, autonomous vehicle uh, driving, but I believe Tesla is leading the way here. And uh, yeah, it, it's uh, this is a big deal because if California says you can't do that here, that's yeah. I mean, that's where the future they want to go. That way uh, we can save money and be safer is the end goal. But uh I think it's a good thing that he's uh, vetoing this bill and that he's going to allow uh, for the regulatory process that are in place to monitor this and not add to it. That allows for innovation and growth and that we can have some autonomous uh, trucking throughout the road. So I think it's a good thing. I think it should add a positive to uh, those in that field, such as Tesla, on this news. Yeah, I think it's a good thing, too. I think they did the right thing here. Uh, for all the reasons that you just said, 
I, I know that the popular opinion might be that it's scary to see a car without, uh, you know, a driver in it. But, um, you know, we're trying something new. Some new, new things are often scary, especially if somebody doesn't necessarily have the time uh, to understand them. But I think that these these cars, these automated cars are actually going to be more safe than human drive driven cars. Yeah. I mean, drunk drivers off the road eventually, you know, yeah. in 20, 30 years, uh, cars are driving themselves. You don't have drunk driving accidents, you know, yep. falling asleep at the wheel. Gone. Yep. So there you go. All right. Moving on to the last headline, Brandon. Last headline. Here we go. Ready? This is on CNBC by Michelle Fox. Headline reads, credit card losses are rising at the fastest pace since the great financial crisis. Let's go through here. Goldman Sachs predicts credit card losses will continue to climb through the end of 24-2025. Here's why. You'll like this. This is a rare CNBC article that actually goes into detail and analysis that you would hear from Brandon Beaver going over an earnings call. It's very, very good article. So if you get a chance, please read it. Says losses currently stand at 3.63%. That's up 1.5 percentage points from the bottom of where it was. Goldman Sachs sees them rising another 1.3 percentage points all the way to 4.93%. This comes at a time when Americans owe more than $1 trillion on credit cards. All right. Now, why do they think it's going to rise? Here's how it is. They believe that uh, credit card losses go through cycles, right? So they're saying that the uh, uh, of the last five credit card loss cycles, three were characterized by recessions. The other two occurred when the economy was not in recession, such as in the mid-90s and then from 2015 to 2019. All right. So using history as a guide uh, to determine things going forward, this is what Goldman Sachs and, and Nash from Goldman Sachs specifically said. He said, in our view, this cycle resembles the characteristics of what happened experience in the late 1990s and somewhat sim uh, similar to 15 to 19 cycle where losses increase following a period of strong loan growth and has seen similar pace of normalization thus far in this cycle. So according to all this, everything that goes on, read the article if you get a chance. Uh, history shows the losses tend to peak at six to eight quarters after loan growth peaks. This implies that the uh, losses are going to peak around late 2024 or early 2025. This is what Goldman Sachs is saying. So we're going to see more losses going into next year, which is what we, you and I have both been saying is going to happen. But they're saying it's it's not going to peak until the end of next year. Thoughts, real quick, Brandon. That's a long time. That's uh, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, and 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 you would think that just oh, what's five percent of all credit cards, you know, as being written off as losses? That's not that much. But I mean, it can have a huge effect depending on the profit margin of these banks that are loaning out these credit cards and. You know, how much are they loaning out? Is it all subprime users? So when it's, I mean, you could go down the rabbit hole here and dig into the numbers because 5% can begin a topple in a bank as it did during 2008 uh, with housing crisis when these home loans that were securitized and put into bundles and 5% of those bundles failed, the whole thing fell over. Right. So 5% is a big number. Uh, depending depending upon the other finances in the in these bundles, and I don't know those finances, so I can't tell you yay or nay on that. Um, 
I can't tell you that Goldman Sachs is not too concerned about it affecting the economy. They just are expecting it and they're investing accordingly. Did they say that? No, but from everything else they said in that, I implied that. I, okay. I inferred. No, I inferred that. Sorry, I okay. inferred that. Because I would assume that this is, I mean, it seems like it's all the result of the hiked interest rates and um, the pullback of the purse strings from the Federal Reserve and the Treasury. Um, and that's all kind of just filtering through the economy. And it takes time to do that. Um, as interest rates are higher, people don't want to pay those high interest rates while they're also having to pay you know, super high prices at the grocery store. Um, yeah, inflation growth has slowed, but in great inflation growth still exists and it's still hitting people's pocketbooks probably now more than it was even a year ago because most of that COVID money's gone. Um, and um, the way gas is high again, gas is high again. And, and so people are running out of money right now. Um, so that, you know, those high interest rates are not are not attractive on credit cards. So it's no surprise to me at all that that loan growth has gone down uh, greatly. Um, I'm, I'm glad it has. I'm glad it has, because if loan growth is going down a little bit, then that also means that uh, maybe people aren't as strapped for cash as I would think that they were, because, you know, if people start to get super strapped for cash, then they're going to start diving into those credit cards and then you'll also see a situation where um, uh, defaults go up. So I, I don't like that either. But um, yeah, it's uh, if, if it's not going to peak until late next year, it makes me think where's the overall economy going to be by that point in time? I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it goes into your theory of, you know, hey, we're, we're looking in a recession. But then I, you know, I don't think we're, we're there yet. So I'm continuing saying uh, bull, more bull than bear. Okay. All right, so that's the headlines for you. I do have, uh, I want to cover real quickly a company. Um, ticker symbol is NYMT, NYMT. It's New York Mortgage Trust. This is a company I've traded in years past. Now, it's been a long time since I've traded this company. It was uh, similar in range when I first started trading it uh, back in the day. Uh, it did It went up a little bit, then dropped a little bit. And it's had its ups and downs over the course of its uh, term here. But what I'm going to talk about right now is New York Mortgage Trust. It's currently, it, as most recently here, let me go most recently. Let me pull up the uh, six, three months, go three month chart here. So it recently went down uh, this past week because if you bought before Tuesday, then you could have got the dividend payment on a lot of these REITs or rights, however you want to uh, call them. Uh, New York Mortgage Trust, not, it's somewhat of a right. Um, they pay a nice dividend. It pays 30 cents uh, a yeah. quarter dividend. That's a very nice dividend. So you always see a, a uptick in the stock price going into these dividend cutoffs. After the dividend cutoffs, people tend to sell, which is what happened this week. And it provided a value opportunity if you believe that the uh, the housing uh the housing market, how it's come down, has already been priced into the stock. Well, if you look at the 52-week range of New York Mortgage and Trust, it was trading near $13 a share within this 52-week period. Right now, it's at the bottom of the 52-week range. So 
this is giving me signals and indications that all the housing problems and commercial real estate problems have been priced into this stock. So when all of those bad news gets priced in and then it drops lower because of the dividend payout reason, it provides a buy-in opportunity. It provides an opportunity to get in and make a quick day trade or swing trade on the stock. And that was what I was looking at this week. Now, it did pop on Friday because other people saw what I saw. Um, I'm giving you all this information just so you guys could keep these, these things in mind going forward. I've already made my pop on Friday, sold, got out. But I want to uh, give you guys this, this, this kind of theory and this kind of pay attention to these things and understand how they work and why they work this way. Brandon, thoughts? Well, I tell you, I was probably about six or seven years ago, I was flirting with buying this company and I'm glad I didn't. Uh, just as a long-term investor, I'm glad I didn't because it has not performed very well. Uh, but it is not. Nice. That's why I wanted to do it is because of the dividend, but uh, yeah. But it's down 30% this year because of all the commercial real estate housing troubles. And so it's priced in now. I don't right? think they're making money though anymore. I, th I think they've been they've lost money recently, so I it's hard. They to have lost. They posted a loss. Hold on, I have the I have it up right here right now. Their last quarter they had a, a negative uh, forty one cents earnings per share, so they lost money. Yeah. So this is live right now. I'm kind of looking into some basic valuation metrics. But so, so I mean, here's the thing with these real estate, these rights, if you will, they they have to continue. Hey, you know what? Their... Hold on one second. I just want to say this. This is. Uh... Man, point point six nine uh, price to book right now. So less than one on the price to book. Uh, two uh, price to sales neutral on it. It might be priced in there. I'm not touching it right now, but it might be priced in. You might be right. And this is what I'm saying. Like all the bad news have been priced in. So when you see an opportunity in it, you feel like it's fairly valued. And then it drops because of other things, nothing to do with the fundamentals of the company, but other uh, macroeconomic news, such as, you know, the dividend rate, the dividend day payout. You see that big drop that provides an opportunity for a day trade that provides an opportunity for a swing trade. And these are things I look for. Yeah. So in this situation, what you're talking about is, is something similar to what Benjamin Graham has talked about before where he said that these, these kind of opportunities, it's like finding a discarded cigar around your house. And you're like, Oh, I still have like one or two puffs left in this. <laughs> I guess that's, I guess that's one analogy you can make. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's funny. You put it that way. I'm laughing right now. Nice. <laughs> well, it is, it is still true. And I, I did make a little bit of money and I want to put that out there. Let people know. These are things to look forward to. Um, if you want to buy it at this price, I think it's kind of fairly value right now. I don't see any growth right now. I see it flat. So wait for another opportunities or other news or macro events that happen. But, you know, this, this is a good one to add to your financial uh, watch list. I have it on my financial watch list, um, among others. So there's a lot of financial news that came out. Uh, I, I could have talked about Bank of America. I could have talked about Wells Fargo this week. That was a big headline everywhere. So there was lots of other financial news. I wanted to talk about New York Mortgage Trust, though. Put that on your watch list. Keep an eye on it. They pay a good dividend. So that's if you just want to hold it for a dividend, that's great. But I don't like holding things for dividends because if the dividend yields only 7% a year, but the stock falls 15%, you lost 8%. You did not make money. So I'm always very, I don't like buying things for a dividend. 
That's uh, all right. So uh, come to this part of the show, Brandon. Final thought. Go ahead, man. You first. Uh, it's going to be based on what you just said. When it comes to stock growth or buy, I would prefer buybacks over dividends. They tend to work better. That's my final thought. That's it. That that's that's all you had, man. That's all I got, man. I'm yeah. I am tapped out after yesterday uh, or Friday night show and the, and then today's show. You are doing a lot of shows. I mean, all the social media is just tearing out Brandon. He's not a very big guy. All right, guys. Here's my final thought as I head I'm into a the big next guy. Week, <laughs> as I head into the, as we head into the next week, Nvidia has fallen down to four hundred fifteen dollars a share. I'm looking to buy if it drops below four hundred. That is my line. That's probably a lot of other people's lines. So we want to see if there's resistance at four hundred as the whole market continues to drop. Like Brandon said, arm is at fifty one. I'm not touching it. I believe it has more to go before it settles down and then comes back up. But it's one to keep on your watch list because it will eventually hit that mark. Wells Fargo, I mentioned that. They have a big turnaround uh, happening. They finished up all their legal issues from like two years ago. And uh, they are now uh, back on track with no more legal problems, quote unquote, according to uh, the sources. I don't know. Uh, it was a good company before they started having all the lawsuits and they had to pay out all those billions of dollars. Uh, we thought it was a good company at least. So let's see how this turnaround goes. It's one to watch for a turnaround when you make major moves and, and close out bad things that happened in the past with new leadership. Where do you go from here? I'm keeping an eye on uh, Wells Fargo and uh, see if it's one to go. Uh, Rig is still being resilient. It is not dropped. Like I said, it would, I, 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 and then they, in fact, signed more deals to service more rigs. So I got, I don't know if I completely got this one wrong or not, but they're still not. They still don't have the same amount of rigs they used to have when they were at a lower stock price. So I don't know if they're charging more. I got to look into this. and I'll have these numbers for you hopefully next week. But I believe they're charging more, and that's where they're making their money at. Didn't Wells Fargo have bank accounts open for people that didn't actually exist? <laughs> That was one of the legal issues, yes, that they that they had. And they have now worked through all of that and closed up those holes. So that's why I'm saying, okay, let's take another look at it now that it's finished with these these yeah. problems, quote-unquote. Kind, of, kind of the Boeing of the financial. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say they're as bad as Boeing because Boeing's been that way for over a decade now. Uh, Wells Fargo, this is new to them. Let's see how they new leadership handles it is what I say. Give them a chance. Yeah, give him a chance. All right, uh, we hope we hope you enjoyed what you heard, um, and we hope that you go ahead and hit subscribe and follow us everywhere we are. And as always, well, we've been entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a good night.